the only unbought and unbossed politician. Why should I step back? This is Unbought Power Hour with Russia Mubarak. Hey. Hey, Russia. Sabah al-khair. Good morning. Sabah al-noor. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. How's, how's New York? I, I'm excited to have you. How's New York weather right now? It's actually Keep... nice. The blue skies. Um, the temperatures are going up. It's nice. really nice. Oh, yeah. Actually, I want to say it's a little bit cold here in Orlando, Florida. But <laughs> um, I think a cold front came out of nowhere. But that's you know a, a huge welcome to the spring breakers that um, are here during a pandemic. Actually, yeah. Miami just went on an emergency shutdown. So, oh wow, yeah. So, inshallah, happy Sunday, happy every Mother's Day to all the mamas out there, um, and also all the mamas that have lost a child, especially to systemic oppression, to occupation, and all the children that are missing their moms if they're a political prisoner or if they lost their own, but. Shout out to all the mamas, especially my mama. <laughs> Any shout outs for you? A mama, mama figure, someone you think of today? Oh my God, there are so many. But I'll <laughs> to my mom, if she's watching, happy Mother's Day, mama. I Aww. love you. <laughs> well, I am so excited for you to be here because, hello, not just this. You have been an amazing organizer, but also this, and super excited to talk a little bit about that. But first, I want folks to like really know who you are, how you like your journey to this book, because you come from like you've studied religion, you come from the organizing world, you've worked with a lot of refugees. Um, so kind of just like your journey, who you are, and how you got to write this, co-edit this book with so many amazing people, by the way, that I was just blown away I'm like hey those are all my people yeah um well first thanks for having me here it's a great honor I'm like very nervous people so. <laughs> um yeah I, I'm but actually here. it's like you got this folks are really excited actually like a lot of people from the movement um that aren't you know from the Palestinian Arab or Muslim communities are just like I need this book I'm so excited for this book and they were like DMing me about it. And I was like, that's what's up. So folks are excited. That's great to hear. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I, my journey, there's like so many different ways to go about this, but I'm going to do the somewhat short version, which is I'm Palestinian. Um, my dad is from Nablus originally, and my mom is from Jerusalem. Um, my grandpa, my jiddo, um was one of the people his family was forced out of Jerusalem in 1948 and they went to Lebanon they went to Lebanon which is where he ended up growing up um and going to school through UNRWA actually um that's yeah, yeah that's how he got he his his mom my great-grandmother worked for UNRWA when it started and um that's sort of how they got by uh she was largely a, a single mother and then way down the line ended up in Jordan which is where I was born um, and mostly where I was raised um, before coming here to the U.S. for college. Um, 
my journey to so I know I grew up with Palestine like the stories my judo was uh, very political and did not shy away from that from uh, talking about Palestine as a political issue that was not just an issue for Palestinians, but very much rooted in like the Arab masses and what that means um, and what it means to build and organize um, uh, bottom up. And so I think a lot of a lot of my uh, political identity and politics definitely comes from that. Um, I think in terms of socialism specifically, uh, there's often this idea that socialism and like Marxism is like a Western thing. And then like they brought it to the Middle East and only now it's being talked about. Um, and that's just entirely false. And I think that's actually one of the reasons that I really wanted to work on this book project, because there's such a rich tradition of Arab Marxism and socialism, communism in the Middle East, certainly in Palestine, but also in Iraq, uh, in mm -hmm. Yemen, of course, um, and elsewhere. And so part of this was saying, like, actually, these ideas of, you know, anti-oppression, of anti-exploitation, of workers' power, um, of building a society that's not based on profit, like that's not the motivating factor, have, have been part of our identity for decades and decades. Um, and of course, you know, there's, there's nothing perfect about what came before us. And we're not trying right. to build towards that. But there's so much to draw from, to think about what it is that we want to build towards. And I think that's a big part of where this uh, book is coming from. And then the other part is just like being in the US, going to college here, um, and organizing on campus and seeing how like the strongest campaigns and the strongest ties are often not just Palestine organizers on their own or SJPs on their own, but it's like SJPs with Black Student Union, with mm -hmm. um, uh, organizing around the US-Mexico border. It's like those coalitions and those campaigns that really draw out the most power and have the most potential. Um, and that that's what that's what socialism calls for. It's this idea that it's not about our individual identities. It's not about Absolutely. that at all, but it's about all of us um, as workers, as oppressed people coming together to fight. Um, and all the attempts to fragment us actually just serve a very small number of people. So, um, yeah, seeing this, the rise of this new socialist movement in the U.S. is so incredibly exciting. Um, it is. Well, like, it is 000. so, I like, I love this so much because people are so scared of Palestine, the topic of it, and so scared of socialism. And then you were like, let me tell you actually how they're deeply connected and um, where their roots come from. And I'm just like, hello, this is amazing. So um, we're at a time, like you said, it's an exciting moment, right? When it comes to the conversation of socialism, but also when it comes to the conversation of Philistine, right? Obviously, um, the world has continued to turn their back when it comes to the government and the powers of when it comes trying to stand up for the Palestinian people and human rights, but the masses of people um, is what really has increased in solidarity. And it's moved from the trenches, trenches of solidarity movement to even the halls of Congress. Now we have the most far left um, wing in Congress where we have congressional leaders who are pushing for Palestine. So this just, you know, when we, I, what I love about your, your book is that, you're recognizing, you know, that these oppressive systems continue to debilitate the Palestinians and indigenous people and, you know, immigrants. And, but what, what you're able to draw from it is also this notion of hope and how we can, what will lead to liberation. And that is through like real socialism and even how you define socialism 
Um, and um, your co-editor is just like, what are you below socialism and talking about like even the different definitions of imperialism and how it's just like conflicting and in um, ways of competing um, of exploitation and dominance and all of that. So if you can just talk a little bit about one, what is how you look at socialism overall and, and how it relates to capitalism and imperialism um, because you really do get into depths of that. And then we can talk about how um, you've historically so many movements that came before us, although not perfect, right, um, are deeply rooted in socialist values and what you see the future to come across when it comes to this global movement for, for liberation for all people. Yeah. Okay. You just asked like such. I know. <laughs> I just no. I mean, I asked a lot of questions, but like, I'm just super. No, I got you. Yeah. Um. So I think that the socialism that we're talking about in the book is, is actually pretty simple in that, it's about how do we build a world where the driving motivation for mm -hmm. prosperity, um, for life is not profit. Right. Um. And you know, it's, it sounds simple, but it's, it's like, it's also not simple. Um, especially today when we're seeing in the U S and certainly other places around the world where everything is privatized, right? Like that's why it's so hard to get access to healthcare in this country without mm -hmm. falling into debt or, um, or dying, right? Like you don't get access and you die. And I think we've seen this with COVID. Um, it's because all of these industries have been privatized, which means, essentially what's driving the production, what's driving the service is money, is how can we make the most money? And what socialism would call for is like, no, actually, how do we build um, the things we need? How do we build a society where the driving motive is uh, liberation, is freedom, um, is prosperity for the masses and not for uh, a single group of people um, uh, that's able to thrive off of literally the blood and sweat of billions? Um, so that's like a, a, a very basic, I think, definition of, of socialism. But what it necessitates is that there's no, uh, there's no, you know, um, uh, drawn up borders based on business and money. Mm -hmm. um, people are not fragmented um, based on where they fall in a hierarchy um, um, that's uh, restricted or structured or built by the folks on the top, um, where your work, your labor um, is not exploited. It's not taken from you, um, um, essentially at, at no cost to yourself. Um, but instead, it's it's a society where all of us, like the masses, the workers, the oppressed, are able to decide together, how do we mm -hmm. want the society to look like? How can it be most liberating for us? Um, how can we make it so that we, we can all live free? And I think that's key to all of this is that it's possible. Oftentimes, people think it's like this utopian vision, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really not. Um, you know, I, I think people um, often underestimate, you know, the power of us as, as people to the power to of a people. Fun. Yeah, right. to dream of what we want and that it's accessible and it's possible and there's concrete ways to get there. Um, and, I, and I think we're starting to see some of this um, in the U.S. and elsewhere. But really, I mean, it's built on like, how do we redistribute wealth? There's so much wealth on this planet, so much wealth. Um, and how do we redistribute it so that it... And it to that it. point real quick, um, like, because there's also this false idea that we have to redistribute the wealth from, or from the wealthiest. But in reality, here in this country, 
country, we have enough money to fund Medicare for all and all, you know, college, free college tuition and all of that. So yes, yes, absolutely to wealth distribution, but some countries like this country have the capability of doing that now without even, um, because there's this notion that like, obviously eat the rich, right? But like there, but there's still potential in and concrete ways of getting there without this, because people think that it's so unachievable, but in reality it can happen right now. Um, So just your thoughts on that too. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in some ways we've seen exactly what you just talked about, Asha, with the stimulus packages, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there was, sure, there was debate back and forth, but even economists in the end agreed that actually injecting this money, giving people, and it's it's, it's very little, but it's also like 1.9 trillion, right? Which is a lot of money, um, and it it's there. It's there if we want to use it for the things that people need um, to survive. It's not even to thrive. Like that's the next level, but it's just to survive. survive. Exactly. Yeah, like, people need to survive, and they're they're not able to. They're they're dying both here in this country um, uh, as as workers, um, mm-hmm. as as you know, as immigrants, as black people, as people of color, but also abroad. There's this great quote, and I can't remember who said it, so. I'll write that in the chat later because I, I don't want to use someone else's quote, but that like as, as a, as an imperial country grows stronger and is like more robust and powerful, the more oppressed its own people will become. Um, mm. And I think that's certainly the case with the U S and other imperial powers as well. Um, and that's part of what leads to the decline of imperial powers as well. And I think that's definitely the case with the U S um, and, and the other thing I wanted to say about what you were saying about like, you know, we have money for Medicare for all we have, um, we have money to, to do these things like tuition, like canceling um, free education or canceling student debt is that the U.S. spends more than the next 10 countries combined on defense and like national security. Military That's a basement. lot of money. That's so much. Uh, on displacing and murdering people. And then it's yeah. just unbel- and then apologizing for apartheid and occupation elsewhere. Wow. So in, also in your, you know, in your book, you kind of discussed about how as long as capitalism is upheld, there will always be imperialism. So looking back at movements that came before us, um, they might have claimed to have these socialist um, values, but in reality still were dedicated to capitalist ways just because people like you said, there's a survival, there's a sense of survival or, you know, um, people automatically or countries and governments and agencies automatically um, tapping into this capitalist world. So how do you go away from that at, in, in global movements when it comes to the struggle? Yeah, I think that so many movements in the past have called themselves socialism, but have actually, like you're saying, just been you know, unbelievably uh, oppressive, you know, like Stalinism, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of one of the, you know, the key ways to think about how we want to build our, our movement and like what it means to be a socialist is to think about how do we make sure that what we're building towards is really liberatory for all, that there are no restrictions mm-hmm. um, on it. Um, and it sounds so simple, but I actually, well, it is simple, actually. Sometimes, <laughs> if you just apply that, right. um, it's pretty straightforward. It's not about you know, this group of people against that group of people. It's like, no, actually, as workers and oppressed people, we're, we have the same interest in building this new world, no matter right. where we are, no matter what nationality we have, what ethnicity we have, etc. 
And actually, one of the things, this is a little off topic, so you can tell me to no, go redirect. But... This is your hour. Whatever you want to talk about, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, this, we talked about this a little bit in the book, but I'm, I'm writing an article about it um, with, with a, a comrade, Daphnal. It's about, you know, how Zionism, right? Zionism. Zionism. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a current of Zionism that Israel was being established that called itself socialist Zionism and I think a lot mm -hmm. of people I are like yeah right. like oh but Zionism was socialist like what about the kibbutz you know what about this and that mm -hmm. and when you like dig deeper uh, well first of all on its on like the surface right there is no socialism that's built on exclusivity and Zionism is built on exclusivity like that's what Zionism that's, is about exclusivity. literally their north star Exactly. So what does it mean to have socialist Zionism? And then you like, you start to look at what these so called socialist Zionists, I mean, that's what they called themselves, um, said and talked about. And it's like they organized to ensure that Palestinian workers were not represented in unions, right? Mm -hmm. They like organized to strip them of their land and take it. Um, mm -hmm. They organized to attack people that bought from Palestinian farmers or Palestinian merchants. And you're reading all of this. And you're like, this is what they called socialism? You know, like, this is the complete opposite. And how can right. people buy into this? Um, and so I just feel like really getting these these things from history and, like, taking them apart and being like, no, like, I don't even want to try to sugarcoat this. Yeah. So can you um, dive right into just, like, how, you know, historically Palestinian liberation groups have... Um, moved in socialist ways but like what happened there and what can happen now considering you know we once had these mass movements that were based on values that centered all people then um over time trickle down um into internalized um imperialism or capitalism um so just talking a little bit of how palestine directly connects to socialism historically present and like our future yeah um totally so i think there were there were different movements across the middle east and certainly in palestine right that posited um uh socialist or communist ideas and um in palestine there's a number of groups you know people usually mostly know about the pflp and the dflp um, but there were others, some smaller, some um, some that were like uh, fragmented off of these. Um, and I think what's important to understand is that they were working in a very particular context of like Cold War, post-Cold War, um, a time when mm. um, even the U.S. was sort of flip-flopping on where it stood on a number of different questions in the Middle East. Like oftentimes people think the U.S. has always backed Israel. And that's actually not the case, right. not because it cared at all about Palestinians. Not because they were uh, aligned with their values. We didn't, first of all, the way this country was built, they don't, like, is exactly. a violent country, so. Right. Systemically, exactly. for, right, its conception has always been, you know, not looking out for people or the masses or, it's white supremacy. So, sorry, okay. continue. No, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the foundation of this country is, like, the, the murder and displacement and ethnic cleansing of indigenous people and then the enslavement of black people and and then like decades and decades of, of war and economic imperialism. Um, anyway, that's maybe a slightly different conversation. <laughs> that's another <laughs> <connected>. above <laughs> Um Yeah, so um, 
Well, what I wanted to say about the U.S., because I think this is important, is that um, at the end of the day, the U.S., like all other big imperial countries, it follows what benefits it in terms of mm -hmm. money and power and influence. And so for a time, it, it, it didn't actually back Israel in this like uncritical um, way that it does right now. And that was just because it was sort of uh, uh, in, in a back and forth with the Soviet Union. Um, but when it did double down and back Israel is when some of the left movements started to gain power in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. um, and that God forbid that happened. <laughs> Wait, so I said, God forbid that happened. So they were God like, they gotta, they gotta put a stop to that. And so it, it's, you know, it like switched sides. I mean, I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but essentially that is what happened. These left mm -hmm. movements were growing, many of them openly communist um, and, um, and like bottom up. And when it saw that, it switched, it switched to back Israel and like try to squash these movements mm -hmm. because it realized that would completely destroy its own interests in the Middle East. And at that time, I would say more so than right now, at that time, the big, the big thing was oil. It really was all about oil and like all and of disrupting these oil. their power in these, in these regions, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because they had so much potential, you know, this was such a, I mean, the Middle East is such a, 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 a strategic location for oil, for trade, um, for a number of things. Um, and so it, it kind of went back and forth and then it really solidified its support for Israel. So what I was going to say is like all of these different groups are operating at a time where that's happening. That's the context. Um, and at the same time, there's all of these different um, national liberation movements happening um, in different countries. A lot of the, the countries in the Middle East had, you know, somewhat recently gained independence from colonialism, whether British or French, um, et cetera. Um, and so there were, there were a number of things that they were dealing with that I would say we're, we're not dealing with today. Um, which is not to excuse their pitfalls, but it meant that their strategies and the ways they viewed certain right. things. Um, There's not like, on. yeah, and I think folks, when you think about like this movement and the, and the path to liberation, what the pathway to liberation looks like, there's not a book out there, right? It's always going to feel different and look differently considering what's surrounding them in that time period or or how they're impacted. Totally. I agree with that a million percent, Efra, and I actually think that's one of the things on the left that sometimes, like, we have trouble with, which is that there is no blueprint for, like, what mm -hmm. we're trying to build. And as much as we can learn from the past, we also just shouldn't try to take that and be like, this is what we have to do. Like, right. look what they did here. We shouldn't do this or we should do this. And it's like, no, it's actually not that straightforward because the world <laughs> changes and people's right. ideas change. and context change you know like everything is constantly changing and, and that's what's that's what's really rough and rough and tough that sounds really funny to say but that's what's <laughs> difficult about it um yeah so so how did so how did those movements have socialism you know like how were they rooted or anchored in socialism and then what happened so i think a lot of them posited like workers power like workers mm -hmm. power is that's um, where the where, where people need to centralize everything that's where the heart should be in any movement exactly and that's why by design of course israel and the united states um and really any any you know country or any sort of bureaucracy state bureaucracy mm -hmm. that exists under capitalism the way it, it fragments people by design is by pitting workers against one another and using all mm -hmm. of these um, all of these, you know, race and ethnicity and nationality and all of these 
um, made up constructs to to try to fragment mm -hmm. um, workers because they they also realize that it's workers' power that has the ability and the potential to really transform the world um, and that these ideas are dangerous. That's why everyone is scared of saying socialism. I mean, right, right. now it's, it's more popular. Socialism, socialism, socialism. <laughs> and Palestine. Yeah. Yeah, and Palestine, um, Palestine, Palestine. So anyway, so yeah, actually one thing that um, I would recommend, I don't know if you've seen this, Russia, um, or anyone watching, there's this really great movie called um, Kafar Qasim, and it's about mm -hmm. the Kafar Qasim massacre in 1956. I have not. Really great movie. Where can we access that? Um, so I have a link to it. Okay. I'm not yeah. supposed to have, but I have a link to it because they're restoring Sorry. the film that was made in the 70s. And one of the most beautiful things about the film, this is not what I was going to say, but it actually has all of these aerial views of Palestine mm -hmm. um, from the 70s. And it's just, you can't watch it and not. I mean, I mean, the first time I saw it, it's just like, it's just so, so beautiful and powerful. Right. But the movie, what, what I think make makes the movie so good is that it, um, it shows in Kafar Qasim pre-massacre and then after. It was like mm -hmm. a very political village and there were all of these different political currents. So there was like a current of like Nasserists, like Pan-Arabists. There was a current of socialists. There was a current mm -hmm. of like workers organizing. And then there were like, some Palestinians that were on um, like the middlemen between the Israeli factory and the Palestinian mm. workers that work there. And it should, and of course, class, like who are the workers, who are the wealthy Palestinians. Um, and all, all of this is happening as Israel is planning to impose this curfew and essentially ends up killing Palestinian workers um, because they, they didn't know about the curfew. It's anyway, mm -hmm. um, really great movie because I think it shows that, in Palestine, there is this rich tradition of like different political currents mm -hmm. um, um, organizing together, but also debating and like trying to figure out like what it is that we're trying to build and how like how productive debate, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's, I think if someone wants to like a, a good way to put your foot in the door in all of this, that's the right phrase, <laughs> is that that movie, I think is a really uh, uh, powerful movie for that for that reason amazing so do you feel like the socialist ideas continue in the palestinian like obviously in the masses right like we the palestinian organizers more than likely have socialist um views but do you feel like um there's an actual movement that that's what they're deeply rooted in right now in palestine so it's really hard for me to speak about like what exists in Palestine right now. Um, I don't think there's a movement. No, and I, I don't think I don't think there's a movement, a socialist movement, either explicit or, or not explicit, because of you know the the number of clampdowns that exist both right. from Israel but also from internally from different um, um, groups or directions that. Um, that don't want to see, like, a workers run Palestine. Um, uh, I also, I do think, though, that there are groups that are explicitly anti-capitalist and that mm -hmm. are really building towards this idea of, like, what does it mean to achieve collective liberation? And Al-Qaus comes to mind right away. Yeah. Like, one of these right. groups. This, like, really phenomenal, brilliant group of people that's, you know, that's uh, producing analysis that is anti-capitalist and that is thinking seriously about like how is it that we're fragmented and, and how do we 
how do we get past that um like on the ground in Palestine and I I see them as an organization a movement that is moving in the direction of a classless society of free of exploitation of and they do anything from um gendered violence and you know talking about all the issues that are impacted and what that looks like under occupation and oppression, right? Um, so yeah, definitely Alicos um, is a good organization. So how do you see, what, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I mean, another one that comes to, to mind um, is the Palestine Feminist Collective, which I think you're hey, a part of, right? Hey, hey. <laughs> We're all both a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. But like you really, I think helped get that statement out. and. I mean, that's huge and so powerful to be like, actually, yeah, this is this is about women. This is about liberation. This is about gender and sexual liberation. And, and we can't talk about occupation. Right. We can't talk about capitalism without talking about about these pillars that it uses to to build itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for a long time, you know, it, not to go too far into, but that, you know, the PFC is a space I think so many of us yearned for right like doing this work is violent it's exhausting it's um many times marginalizing on all sides of the aisle even in progressive spaces um um so definitely it's a space where you know it's u.s based but also we are drawing a line in the sand of you know what freedom and liberation looks like for Palestinians and for people and to be amongst so many brilliant Palestinian femme, women, femme siblings is just like something that I've only could dream of and like manifest and it's here. So I'm excited to be a part of that with you and everyone else. Um, so, so tell me like, you know, what I really love about you, like, legit. I know I don't like, I, I love that. Like, we're living in a time where it's easy to um, lose focus or get distracted from, like, what our mission is, our vision is, or trying to um, redirect resources and energy and funding into, well, getting away from the socialist, um, you know, conversation or how to better talk about Palestine. And it's like, no, like, we need to better like we have to talk about what it is what what it can what this world can look like and so you are you know it's not easy to come out with a book with palestine and socialism in on right on the front face of it and a shout out to izzy for the design it's beautiful um so i i really love that um your boldness and how unapologetic you are and how unbought you are so I wanted to ask you, like, you know, um, obviously the unbought term is coined from Shirley Chisholm, and, you know, she was the first black congresswoman in, in the States, right? And she refused to take corporate money. She stood up for um, black and brown and women um, and was able to achieve, you know, so much being unbought. And a lot of times, you know, in movement spaces and organizing spaces, um, we're asked to leave our own people behind or a community behind or a person behind in, in this false notion that freedom comes at the expense of another. So how do you personally like continue to choose to be unbought 
in this work and how you show up? That's a, that's a good question. Um, my initial reaction to the question is, is and as you were like, um, giving the preface to it is that, um, is like, like who, who would buy me? <laughs> like I'm a Muslim, <laughs> I'm an immigrant, I'm, um, a hijabi, I'm Palestinian, mm-hmm. I'm a socialist, like, <laughs> there's a lot of intersecting things that makes it really hard to find like, all these identities, right? Like, it's... yeah, it's like, it's, I'm always like, yeah, like, you know, who, who would be like, let me, you know, tell her how to say things. Um, <laughs> I, I think, no that, one. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe we'll build a world where like, people want to, um, you know, buy or whatever that that type of voice but i i think that um but even being bought in values right not just right 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 that's a good point i mean i think that just like really sticking to what it is like what is at the the crux of of what i think like i want to be fighting for and like what i want Mm. to build um um, with, without focusing too much on the, or without allowing myself to be too distracted or honestly like clamped down and sort of mm. brought down by the attacks both from the right, but also, you know, from the left, our, our movement That's, can be vicious. <laughs> um, it's just the reality. And, and you know, it's like partly because we're small and slowly growing, but still pretty small, small but mighty, small, but mighty. Totally. Um, <laughs> In both good and bad ways, um, but yeah, small but mighty. Um, and I, yeah, I think just trying to focus on what it is that I'm building for, and that 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 I want our movement to look like, especially because there's so many. In some ways, because it's growing so quickly, and there's so many new people, um, it's like there's this responsibility and importance to like what we're bringing people into. Like people should know what they're coming into um, and, and understand it. And I think that takes a level of um, being able to assess things as they are and not as I, as we or I want them mm. to look like, um, which is so hard because there's so I, many contradictions, right? Like they're all <laughs> over the place. Contradictions like when you said place. that, that hit me hard. I was like, yeah, that's real. Like, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, we're all human too, you know, sometimes you're like, you want something to be a certain way or look a certain way or be understood a certain way. And that's just not the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers the, the question really well. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you are not compromising your values, not for nothing in your professional life and your in your organizing life. And, um, you know, I my next question is, um, what was the biggest challenge or you know something that you faced after writing this book or during this book and like how did you overcome that Hmm. um i have have so many different answers you're like the backlash Um, the right oh so much i'm sure did you feel supported yeah so i'll start with the the negative and then the positive um (laughs) I think that there was a lot. So it was, it, the, the whole thing took around like two years, maybe a little bit more mm. because. <laughs> Thank you. It's me, my co-editor and like everyone in the book, like big shout out to all of you. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, partly because the world was changing so quickly in the last two and a half years, it was like constantly having to go back and like re-edit. Revise it. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, when in, in June, when the, the big protests were happening, mm. uh, Black Lives Matter protests, and there's this movement unfolding. And at that point, we had turned in the manuscript and we were like, oh, my God. Like, right. Give it back. Can't do it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. We need to add, you know, we need to add something. But um, anyway, I think that the, the constant change in things um, and the ups and downs, like sometimes it's like, yeah, the movement's growing. And then it's like, oh, whoa, that's like a big attack. And, and being like, is this, is the book, is the book too hopeful? Is it like ignoring the fact that actually things are getting worse? Um, and then the, 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 um, the, 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 the opposite of that, <laughs> like, is this book too, you know, sobering and, um, and not hopeful enough and, and, and not mm. like inspiring enough. And I think trying to find the, both the right balance, but also what we were talking about earlier, which is like, how do we talk about things as they are and not as mm-hmm. we want them to be? Um, and then, of course, you know, at the back of my mind this entire time, I was also thinking, like, how is this going to affect mm-hmm. um, my ability to get citizenship? And like, that's would it be in trouble? Right. That's very naturally fearful. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of like, you know, I'm sure everyone in the Palestine movement has dealt with this. I'm sure you've dealt with this, Russia, where it's like, do I use do I use this word? Do I use mm-hmm. a, a different word? Because this word could be, you know, read in this and that way. And especially right. because it's, it's also not just me and Brian, the co-editors, but it's all these other names in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want, you're protective over everyone. And, right. Yeah. You don't want to be responsible for something that, anyway, so trying to figure that out while still maintaining, like, this is what, this is what the truth is. And we're going to mm-hmm. say the truth. Um and and like you were saying, you know, it, it's it's already such a taboo to talk about Palestine, <laughs> and then add socialism to it um, is like a whole other level of um, like, oh my God, what are you saying? Both in the U.S. but also you, you broke the book. Home. You broke the book industry without a doubt. I was like, what these two terms together? Okay, yeah. And then of course, like the, we didn't get into this too much. And this is one of the things I've heard from a lot of people that read it, who were like, you know, I read it and I was like. I'm a socialist. Like, this makes sense to me. I guess I'm a socialist. And then, you know, we'd be talking to other people and people would be like, wait, but like, how can you be a socialist and a Muslim? And then, you know, I'd get texts about that. And I was like, you know, it's, it's, it's real that you're asking this because unfortunately right. some socialist movements and groups are like very openly, you know, anti-religion and think that you can't. They're not right. Totally Islamophobic. And it's like, but actually, there's no contradiction whatsoever. Like, I feel like it's like the socialism, like values is connected to Islam, right? Like, when you go Hajj, everyone's wearing white because there's you can't identify their wealth or their class, right? And it's to show like the equity of like of humanity, right? So totally, and it's it's like a movement of the oppressed, right? Like any most and that's movements how they started. yeah exactly so what do you what what are some you know ctas or call to action to for folks you know when when you think about people getting involved in you know socialist movement like what does that look like but i also after that i want to know like how do you what does a free world mean to you and what do those steps look like what are the concrete steps look like Big questions from Russia on a Sunday morning. Um, I had my coffee. 
Um, so the first question was like, what it means to organize around socialism or like how to, so, I mean, the first thing I'll say is, um, in relation to Palestine and all these other countries, right? Right. So I think the, 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 I guess the, the, the easy way to answer this is to say, think about, um, how to be involved in your workplace, um, or in your school or in your community, um, around building, um, uh, workers' power, and, and by that we mean, and, and I, it's, I, I will have to say, it, it looks very different in different places, and I think that's just a reality, like, in the U.S., in some ways, it's a lot easier to do this than mm -hmm. in other countries, um, and, and I'm not trying to flatten all of this into, like, oh, it's just one thing, um, but I think thinking about, like, what it means to organize in your workplace for the things that, um, the, the rights that people don't have. And, and sometimes it doesn't, like organizing around socialism and being a socialist, you don't always have to use that terminology, right? Like mm -hmm. it's about building um, um, power um, on every single level that's that's rooted in like the oppressed and the workers and the people on the bottom um, demanding what they deserve and organizing to get that. Um, even if you don't call yourself a socialist or even if people don't want to use that word in this or that context that's fine um it, right. it's not about terminal i think sometimes we get so stuck in terminology that's what i'm saying like don't get me started about 2020 and like the elections and the establishment and how they tried to blame everything on um pro pro progressive and it's like no homie like y'all didn't know how to talk about the issue and you ran away from it and put so much energy into like rebranding it or saying no i'm not a socialist it's like why don't you just talk about what it is talk about defund the police talk about abolishing ice talk about like what this really means for people right so no absolutely totally it just shows how scared they are of, of these words right mm -hmm. like even though they're yeah anyway totally i agree with that yeah anyway i think in the u.s look if you're in the u.s i really do think that that joining the Democratic Socialists of America is important and like building with them, um, especially if you're on a campus. Um, um, and it's a big tent organization. Yes, it means that not everyone agrees on everything. There's a lot of work to be done. But you know what? That's to be what in happens. the struggle together. Right. Exactly. And that's that's the, the, the more we are, the more we're going to face the growing pains of the left. And it's that's a good thing because it means we can debate each other and talk about how to organize and talk about strategy. Um, and, and really learn how to build uh, a big, robust movement. And I think it's important to also be part of um, an organization like that one and others, because that's also how we make sure people understand that Palestine is central to what we're building in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be. We can't go up against U.S. capital and U.S. empire without talking about what the U.S. is doing overseas um, because of what it's doing to people abroad and also because of what it's doing to people here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because the are connected... Yes, people policy. experiencing homelessness and it's like but we're put we're giving Israel three billion dollars a year like it just it makes like just like how um what what they do in like this like in capitalist world is make it seem so complicated and we see that a lot when it comes to talking about Palestine is like making it seem complicated um and when it's not it's like exactly it's not at all complicated yeah so I would say that I also think that um, um, really thinking about how do we organize to end U.S. funding for Israel, because that is one direct and concrete way, especially if folks are in the U.S., um, 
to to um, stop the ability of Israeli apartheid reproducing itself, right? It's like cutting the capital, cutting the money flow. And that's huge. And I think that Israel and its allies have already showed us how scared they are of that. Like, that's why they pump millions and millions of dollars into combating, you know, any sort of Palestine advocacy in the US. Like, there's, a, I keep saying this, because it's, it's like one of my favorite things to say, which is like, you, we have to think about why is it that um, when Congresswoman Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, right, like a congressperson from Minnesota and a congressperson from Michigan, when they say like the simplest thing, like, you know, the, the most basic form of advocacy for Palestinians, you see it like front page news mm -hmm. in the US and in Israel, like every single publication in Israel will have that front page news. Why do they care so much? what a congressperson in Michigan or Minnesota are saying. Like they're telling Because they see the power. Exactly, exactly. And so that's the thing. We have so much potential, like so much potential, especially right now as our movement is growing. And like you're saying, Rasha, we have people in Congress where we're often least heard. And they're not mm -hmm. puppets. They're people right. with their own ideas and principles and they're fighting for them tooth and nail and they're being attacked and smeared for them. And we have people on the ground building this movement, like wow, so much potential and so right. much opportunity and it's so exciting and i feel like we also we need to like grasp that and really build mm -hmm. because we it's not inevitable that we're gonna win like that's the unfortunate reality it's not like yeah of course we're gonna win no it's not it's not inevitable we actually have to build for it and right now we have this particular time where we have a lot of power and we need to keep pushing and it's true that it's still scary. Like Canary Mission still exists, right? Like it's people still, still do their job. JCRC across JCRC. the country will come oh, and try to unseat you. And if they see a little bit of like any kind of oh, power collect. Can you see me? Yeah, I'm good now. Okay, sorry. Um, but so how do you, what do you, when you envision a free world, what does that look like? Oof. I mean, uh, I guess first and foremost you know no borders that mm -hmm. you can god i can't even imagine that you can you can move freely both mm -hmm. like in that short distance right but also just like like you can move like we have the ability to move freely and and it sounds so simple but i feel like that is one of the the most um exciting inspiring moving and powerful mm -hmm. things for me is the, like freedom of mobility right. um and and I, I think about this a lot with Palestine, actually, because of how for Palestinians, it's like there's seven million plus Palestinian Palestinian mm -hmm. refugees. Right. And they're not granted the right of return. So they don't have the freedom of mobility to go home mm -hmm. um, and often to even travel to other countries for a host of reasons. And sometimes then, a second, third time refugee. In these totally, countries. totally. And then on, on at the same time, there's also Palestinians in Palestine. And I'm thinking of my friend Leif, who has a travel ban imposed on him internally where he can't leave. And that's like, I think that's like the harrowing and horrific part of this is it's not about just going back. It's also about how Palestinians in Palestine can't move, um, can't go out, can't, you know, but also just can't like visit another village or city. And like freedom of mobility is such a powerful thing for Palestinians and obviously for everyone. I mean, our, our world is riddled with refugee crisis after refugee crisis and immigrant crisis after immigrant crisis. And I think for me, when I, when I imagine a liberated world, a lot of it comes down to freedom of movement, because mm -hmm. I think that is a reflection of so many other types of freedoms. Um, that once, once you're able to be granted that, 
it opens your different freedom doors to other possibilities and just better living conditions and you know being able to actually live and not just manifest your dreams but achieve your dreams right a lot of like the occupation and oppression um, of these systems are to disenchant people when you're you know when they're detaining 12 year old boys it's not because they really believe that he threw a rock at a tank it's to literally break them down from wanting a better future or working towards that so yeah if you have the freedom to to move to think and something you also talk about and you know i know we only have a few minutes left is self-emancipation in relation to all of that so what is that like how would you define that in in terms of a free world yeah um i'm actually going to answer this in a slightly different way from the book but i think okay i'm all for it Connect to self-emancipation and like what you know what I envision or, or what excites me or what's powerful about a free world another one is like the amount of potential that every single one of us has mm. um, um, artistic and, and otherwise um, to explore and to think and to um, theorize and manifest it's it's like the spectrum is so huge and under capitalism all of our energy is is going towards striving to survive, like just to reproduce ourselves on a week to week basis, like go to work, come back, go to school, come back. How do you pay for the debt? How do you pay for healthcare? You know, children, etc. Like all of these things that are made to keep us in this like assembly line. And we're not able to, to like really be ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe I'm like a brilliant artist and I just don't know it. You know, that's you I are. Hello. <laughs> but I just like there's so much potential in everyone. Right. And and I hope that we can build a world where our, our days, our weeks, our months, our years are not about how much are we going to work and then how much are we going to save up in order to, you know, retire at an age that allows mm-hmm. us to hang out with our grandkids and, and do some things we love. But actually that our, our whole life is about exploring the different um, curiosities and opportunities right. and ideas that we have. Um, and I, I am so excited for that. And I hope that, you know, inshallah, maybe our inshallah. great, great grandkids get to see that. I mean, hopefully sooner, but, but I know, you know, they say within our lifetime, inshallah, but also I think it's important, like, as you said, inevitability is not necessarily always the case, right? But as long as we are fighting with every bone in our body during our lifetime, it's setting up for those who come after us, right? We might not see it, inshallah we do, but um, we're doing what we need to do for those that come after us um, in that fight for liberation and freedom. So what's your favorite part of your book and where can folks um, get it? And do you have another book coming out? I know you're working on an article, but. Um, So my favorite part, this is is like weird because it's, it's, it's like not a happy thing, but I think the first mm-hmm. chapter about the Nakba and Zionism to me was mm-hmm. just a uh, really, really important and powerful. Um, as I was writing, I actually lost my grandfather, my Judo. Oh, um, he was never able to go home. Um, and uh, I think writing that was very powerful to me because so often, you know, people try to just like, people just want to talk about, what's happening today is it's as though it's isolated, but it's actually the Nakba and, and what happened then and everything 
is so central to us being able to talk about what happened today. And, and I think we need to talk about it more. We need to talk about the Nakba more. We need to talk about the stories of our grandparents more. We also need to write them down. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a grandparent that's Palestinian or anything, sit with them and write down their stories. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we recorded my grandparents. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I miss, my, I miss my grandparents. Yeah. I mean, God, grandparents are so special and people sit with them and record their stories like get it all mm-hmm. down because it's so so important and they keep trying to deny us those stories and to erase mm-hmm. them so I, I really think that that's key so that chapter to me is just a very powerful and important chapter I think um in terms of where to buy the book you can buy it at haymarketbooks.com um and I don't I have a, a series of articles coming out soon inshallah with Defnat nice. here but no, no book in the works right now. Although I'm very curious in exploring more socialism in Islam. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, whew. I, I feel, um, you know, a lot of times that we feel tired or exhausted or it's, you know, hard to find hope sometimes being in community with you, whether it's reading this book or on this IG live or through your work, just know that you are inspiring um, not just people, but movements. And I really just, you know, want you to hold that and carry that. And just like, it's so important sometimes just to center that and just celebrate, you know, you're finding so much power in pain. And I just want you to know that like, we see you and we love you and thank you so much. Um, And I, I, inshallah, we can do another unbought power about your articles that come out. <laughs> Thank you, Rasha. I, I have to say, I think one of the things you teach me is how to be unapologetically like you. Like everyone should be unapolog- unapologetically themselves. But also, um, I think I think you teach me how to like uplift. Like we should always work to uplift others, and I think you really do that in a very genuine way. And Aww. I really, really appreciate that from like the depths of my heart because I think you make you make everyone you speak to feel special and it well you are like this is this is like you don't like just the fact that so many movement comrades are like reading this or you know asking about it saying they ordered it and telling them I'm gonna get it for their birthday like like I think you know something about Palestinian people is that we're able to inject so much of our resistance through different ways whether that's through books whether that's through art whether that's organizing the streets or organizing workers you know um and the ability to be able to do that and at such a young age like a genius baby but um i think it's just so important like you know um to uplift each other and center each other and it's because the impact of your work you might not always see, but just know it's there and you um, are helping really clear the pathway in this pathway to liberation and freedom for not just the Palestinians, but for all people. So thank, thank you, you so much and happy Sunday. I was going to say Saturday, but the weekend is almost over. And happy Madi Mother's Day to your mama and all the mamas out there. So much love. Bye, Dasha. Thank you. Bye.